What up, guys and girls? It is Bobby. And Sean. Bobby, that shirt looks great, by the way. I don't know. I can't, you can barely see it. But uh, welcome to this episode, this week's episode of the Cronus Cast. Uh, we are back in business. Apologize uh, for the delay last weekend. Uh, I was working again, so we were not able to record. But as always, this week's episode is brought to you guys by Paragon Recovery. Use the code Cronus for 15% off. And if you're military or first responder, hit them up directly for an additional discount. As always, Paragon Recovery highly recommend their supplements. Their Flame Off, which is their anti-inflammatory supplement, and their Night Gains, which is their sleep supplement, have been great for me. Uh, highly recommend both of them. Uh, really have improved my sleep and overall well-being, especially you know when I'm in the hospital and working like 80, 90 hours a week. Dude, the Night Gains is no joke. Like, I only dream on that stuff. Um, I feel like it's like, uh, did you ever take Iron Dream from like the Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then like, I feel like I got discontinued in like 2015, 2016 on my last deployment. Yeah. This is like the exact same sensation where it's just like, I am sleeping so well. Yeah. I always get like some wicked, like vivid dreams on it. I never can remember. Yeah. It's, it's great though. I mean, I was like, oh, I guess dreaming's just for children, but not any longer. It's for... 31 year old men who work out a lot yeah that's great but uh how's everything going with school so for those of you that didn't know i uh if you are going to school um you don't get bah in the summer unless you are taking at least six credits i think is the minimum it might be different for programs that you're in but i had to take at least six credits so that i can continue getting bah my internship uh, was pushed about a month plus, month and a half. So instead of just kind of sitting around and doing nothing, uh, I signed up for two classes uh, through my law school, um, finished those programs up this last week. The internships have been going for a couple of weeks. So I am very happy that those two are no longer happening at the same time. I, there's a lot of uh, night programs out there that a lot of law schools offer. I don't know how people do it. I, w- I was like burned out after a couple weeks of what these people do for four years straight because it is just if you're working all day, there's no opportunity for you to read the text during the day because of your you know the job that you're in and then the weekends are just strictly reading. My head hurt, man. I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one thing that I've definitely been trying to do better with medicine is that I try to read for an hour, hour and a half every day, uh, but. By the end of the week, I'm like reading something, but it's just not sticking. It's just like I'm just reading the words and it's not sticking in my head, which is not a great uh, feeling to have. Yeah, it's uh, I found that there's more for me in like supplements than sometimes the textbook and the like all of the law books typically have some sort of a supplement that you can go through and purchase where they have like exercises. And that's probably the best way that I learned because you'll read like a really dry textbook Mm -hmm. and then you go and you do some like application with a writing sample or a prompt. And it's like, okay, now it's, this is how I'm learning. Um, I wish I'd kind of figured that out like first semester yeah, uh, instead of just kind of reading and being like, we'll see what's on the test. Yeah. That's what, uh, that's one thing I've noticed definitely with the surgery is that at West Point, we learn through what's called the Thayer method where you're supposed to read the text before you go to class. So that way mm-hmm. you're, you know, ready to talk about class and then can learn more, uh, effectively in class. 
so we have lectures every morning uh, during the week. So I will read the corresponding like textbook chapter uh, for the lecture in the morning so that in the morning I actually know what's going on. And I feel like I learn way better that way. That's a good, that's a good way to do it. I, I would do that with the previous class. So before I would show up, instead of reading what was for like that class, I would do that like the night before. Heading into the class, I'd review the notes and do some readings from the previous because there was often a lot of overlap sure. where the professor yeah. wanted to bring up. And so like law school loves just quoting cases and being like, do you remember in this case? And you're like, dude, I'm in four other classes and we've read like a combined 250 cases this semester. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Like... I can't believe, though, that they were having you guys read text because you would wake up and do PT. You had formations and, like, mandatory chow hours. Your classes probably started at, like, 8.39. When did they think you were going to squeeze in reading some heavy core, like, text? Wait, what are you talking What PT? West Point. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, pretty much the night, uh, the night before when you're, like, studying. It's okay. Like, it's like... Uh, I thought about med school so, or medicine right now, but yeah, uh, the night before, like when you do your homework, because uh, you have like from like four until like I guess like eleven or that night to study, so you have time to like read and study. Then you have hours throughout the day yeah. too to like read, but like not everybody does that. That was just what I did at West Point to uh, prepare myself for classes. I like was very organized in terms of how to read the chapter. Or read the readings and take notes and like outline it so that I would show up and be ready to go in class. Are you one of those guys that's because I've seen, I mean, we've been friends for years now, but I don't think I've ever seen you post about like today was my reporting day, like eight years ago I showed up on the, you know, steps of West Point. Like, but do you ever get that itch? Like, because I mean, I, f- I feel like I'm seeing all this news that cadets are showing up, you know, at, at academies around the country and going through like, was it I Week or? Yeah, R Day. R Day. I uh I don't really get the itch too much. I mean like it's funny to reminisce about that and to think cuz I do remember like all those memories from back then. But it's just like nobody cares, who cares? And it's like I don't necessarily need the social media jerk off session of like me saying, "Oh, look at me. I went to West Point. Oh, look at me. I did this." It's just kind of like a self like a self, you know, jerking off or I don't know the term. What is it? Like self um tanker. Self what? armor what oh i thought we were talking branches that do it all the time no, 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 like self uh, congratulatory posts and it's just like doesn't really i don't really need that yeah but i do that's a good point i enjoy I mean, it looks awful in masks though yeah like it's just very interesting but, how they're still going through it i mean good on whoever is planning that because i would not want to be the you know captain or major that's planning all this summer training because that's like that's like West Point's like biggest, uh, you know, most high visibility and mo- like the summertime is like the most moving parts and like very intricate planning processes. So I'm just very glad that, or I'm kudos to whoever's playing that because that is not an enviable position to be in. I watched, uh, I feel like the Air Force does more videos than any branch. Um, and the Air Force Academy, like every year, releases like what the first week looks like. Mm-hmm. And because so close living in Colorado Springs for a number of years like the campus is beautiful and elevation sucks like that's the one thing that if you know I don't think the fitness there is very challenging when you look at these videos and you know what these 18 year olds are being you know forced to do but you know when you're up at 6,500 feet 7,000 feet like that would burn your lungs day one if you've never been there but 
they've got these berets on. They're all wearing different kinds of, like, aviator sunglasses. I'm just like, I don't know. Like, one, when did the Air Force really start getting into wearing berets? Like, and, and two, why? Like, why do you need to wear a beret? Like, it just, it's so goofy. Like, I don't know. I feel like uniforms in general are getting, like, really goofy. But I, if you have time, go watch the Air Force videos because they're, it's pretty funny to hear them try to, like, Air Force. And you're like, all right. Like, cool, man. Yeah, I think it's all relative, though. I mean, you know, my sister went to the Air Force Academy, and I'm sure that they had some hard, relatively hard experiences back then. So I don't know. It is what it is. Every branch is a little bit different. And every branch has their own, like, uh, isms, I said, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of branch-specific stuff with the military, uh, we got questions about, like, going and trying to get fitness in and nutrition in in the field and going to, to JRTC. Uh, what were your big experiences, um, you know, while you were in it at both training centers and then going to the field with, with balancing that? So I will say that I somehow went pretty much my entire army career with never going to the field besides ctc's besides ntc twice the only time the only two times i've been in the field was uh at ntc twice uh you're essentially national guard how dare you no legitimately i've never never slept outside my own bed and garrison uh except at training centers wow dude (laughs) yeah that's amazing yeah like i like at at lewis like we didn't go to the field because our our brigade was deactivating so i didn't have to go to the field and then you know at 375 you don't really go to the field you just train <laughs> and then you went to the ntc twice which i don't really call that as i guess that's kind of field but like we were it was like pretty high op tempo exercises for us at ntc yeah so it wasn't like i i didn't really have time to train at ntc besides like when we we're in i guess the ruba or whatever the fuck it's called i would go to the gym like every day when we were at the ruba and then when we were in it and you know out operating i was just working and then i would eat pretty much when i was hungry and then just eat what i had yeah did you ever my god it's hard because i was like when you went to the field did you ever pack food uh what what was eating then like um for you guys at, at third bat when you would go to your uh your training events so we would have uh pretty much hot a's twice a day with mres for lunch so it was actually mm-hmm. like pretty legit, like legit food. I mean, the food, you know, the hot A's are just like the boil and bag type food. So it wasn't great food, but we always had a lot of food regardless of where we went. Uh, I know some guys, like a lot of the NCOs would bring like stuff to eat because they refused to eat like the hot A's and stuff and MREs. So they would bring like tuna, like tortillas, like a jet boil and some like yep. some of them bring like the dehydrated like mountain, mountain, whatever it is, uh, dehydrated food to make on their own. Uh, which I think yeah. is a pretty valid strategy is bringing like tortillas and tuna. So you get carbs and protein and some like nuts and then like beef jerky and then like some dehydrated foods I think are um, very valid or very good nutritional support while you're, you know, at these training centers or in the field. No, that's great. And then like, I remember too, we, we'd have pretty good food around uh, MLAT. Like that, that food was always pretty good and pretty filling. But again, that was always, you know, you're, you're not gone that long, you know, and it's usually no, you just right eat there that yeah. you're, yeah, you eat, jump, and you go home. Um, say, I've been to the field a lot. Fort Hood loves going to the field. Armor loves going to the field. I mean, like, it's really weird. 
uh, whenever we had field training coming up, like the Charlie and Delta companies um, at 1-8-CAV when I was there were tank companies, and they all loved it. Like you would see coolers and like essentially barbecues getting set up at these, you know, platoon alpha alphas where, you know, they're just, they're cooking all sorts of meat. Like, I guess there's a decent amount of room, um, on a tank. Um, fortunately I never had to get to a Bradley, but I think Bradley's probably have some of that too, judging by the, the lack of fitness that goes on, uh, I guess you could say in those formations. But, um, whenever we went to the field, I always just brought a ton of quinoa, a ton of tuna, the jet boil really saves uh, the day. And then I would try to get some sort of like a sauce. Um, someone asked like a question, like I had a, these, these dried pesto balls that oh, you would nice. just like drop in, drop into. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And then I'd add a little water. Um, the only thing that I would say with the jet boil is like, it's very easy to burn the quinoa or the rice that you bring onto the bottom of it. And so cleaning that thing out after every single meal is very challenging um, and like I would bring like some oil sometimes to see if that would make it any easier. But the problem is it's just, it's so hot and you know, you want to eat that stuff within a couple minutes. Um, I never really brought a lot of protein bars just cause it's like, I mean, they're so sugary to begin with. I was like, I'll, I'll just have like one of the, the fat cakes that, you know, they're bringing out with the, the hot A's, um, or just have whatever for dessert, the MRE. But yeah, essentially like quinoa, tuna, trying to think oh i love uh uh, sardines oh yeah uh, and anchovies yeah so you can get like a really great can of uh you know like either hot mustard whatever flavor you want of like sardines and people think it's gross sure whatever like it can be it seems a little slimy but like that with some crackers is phenomenal like great snack i love sardines i uh they sell my costco so I'll buy them every so often and have them as a snack throughout the day or something like some sardines with like uh, some bread or some tortillas. Yeah. Delicious. And great protein. That's phenomenal. Great macros. Like oh. it's all protein and uh, it's all usually in olive oil. So it's like good healthy fats too. Yeah. And if you have a jet boil, like I would take the oil from that and then mix that in with like a rice um, and really just use everything. Cause otherwise too, you got to think about the trash that you're leaving behind. Um, if you got to put that stuff back in your ruck, you don't want that leaking. Um, if you know you're at uh, a tack or a talk, you know you've got to pack that stuff up and, and take your trash with you. So it's just something to also be mindful. You don't want all that oil like leaking all over the place. Not to mention it smells bad because it's fish. So those are just things to be you know cognizant of. Um, what did you do for fitness? Uh so I didn't really do fitness in the field just because I never was in the oh field long God, enough Bobby. to do fitness. <laughs> but at, the, at you know, at NTC, the Rubas, I went to the gym like every day that we were in the Ruba and work out. But uh, when we were like in the in the field at NTC, like we were, there was not time to like get some training in really. Yeah, uh, I don't think I ever. I feel like uh, the ranger field training exercises or just the ranger training in general, like there was none of that wasted around time no. of, okay, like we need a, it'll be two or three days before you just like, no, you got there, you did what you needed to do and you left. And so there wasn't like a, well, we should do fitness in this downtime. The regular army that was like, we're going to send you there a week early. You're going to stay there a week and a half after, you know, you're out of the box. I've been to JRTC twice. 
both times worked out like all the time essentially when when uh I could get after it but I was a brigade planner and I brought let's see two 70 pound dumbbells a 60 pound kettlebell and 90 pound dumbbells from our brigade gym because mm-hmm. fortunately um the uh brigade headquarters company the commander was you know a buddy and was like yeah just go to the gym and sign out what you want and so, like, I was doing a ton of working out in our tent um, at the talk the entire time we were at JRTC to the extent that I would also change out of my uniform. And, like, even if we were in, like, the field, in the box, it's like, if we get attacked, we get attacked. I'm, I'm not sitting around and wasting all this time. I'm just going to do my wad. And I would just work out for 30 or 40 minutes. Like, that was – that's the only reason I think I didn't, like, lose it um, when we were at JRTC. Yeah, I would say, like, uh, when we were at NTC, like, we were in the box. We were in the box for, like, a week. But it was, like, you know, we would wake up, like, we would do reverse cycling. We are reverse cycling anyway. So we'd wake up at, like, afternoon time, start, we get a mission, start planning for the mission, doing, like, a pre-mission stuff. Nighttime would hit. We'd go hit a target, come back, get either followed on and come back to the to- back to the camp and just go back to sleep. So it was like, there was not really, I don't remember having any downtime to really work out. It was just like constantly, you know, hitting, hitting targets and come back and resting. Yeah. Like we did that for, uh, we didn't go to a, a training center, um, before we went to Afghanistan, but we did something similar where it was like, I mean, we had two missions a night. We had like some incredibly long movements. Um, and it was like, you know, the live fires were incorporated into that. And so within, like four to six days, like you were just getting run all over the place and it was just constant mission planning. Um, I thought that was like the best training that I'd ever done. In fact, oh, yeah. the life live fire that we did there is what I based the company live fire designed for our brigade, um, off of. Cause I was just so impressed by like how much, uh, the battalion and the regiment had, had put towards creating like a really awesome training experience with, all of the breaching uh, requirements, you know, that a, that a company and the platoon and the squads were expected to perform, the different fires that were going to be incorporated. I mean, it was it was the most like incredible thing that like for training that I'd ever been a part of. Yeah, I, the NTC rotations. While it did suck that we were at NTC, it actually wasn't too bad because like we flew there and like chartered planes, you know, stayed in the Ruba for like a couple of days to just get set up, and then we went and did our job we were only there for like two three weeks and then the second time it we went i remember that was when we took it was a battalion tf we took the entire battalion to ntc that one year the second time we went because our company was like a proof of concept for the battalion then yeah. after that the next year if we took the entire battalion on tf for tft to to ntc and that was legit i just remember the missions that we ran that tft were uh really good missions and then like we had that long walk mission that was the first time where I ever like started hallucinating. I was so fucking tired. Uh, I didn't think I would ever like, get to that point, but I was like, I was like mentally, like, I think it was just so I didn't eat enough or whatever, what have you. It was like the second night of being up for, I guess it was like 30 hours at that point and just not being cognizant and like was not mentally with it. It was really bizarre. I've never been like that song before. Our like long walk started with a essentially just like a foot march. Um, and I just remember like, cause the, I think the MPs or something had to be out at the same time while we were on like this part of the training area. And so we're just walking for what seems like hours and everyone's got their nods on and you just see this like blinking light 
that's in front of you with this vehicle. We're like, and, and we're calling up like, for the love of God, like just tell him to turn the lights off. Like it's bad enough that we're just walking right now, but it's even worse that everyone under nods is like going to be blinded by the time we're, we're finished mm-hmm. this. Um, yeah, that, uh, it, it's like a different kind of fitness that, uh, and I think we, we try to make our program, um, reflect that kind of environment because you can't just be good at lifting. Like there, you know, all the stuff that we have with, with kit, um, and the varying programs that we've got it, it all just, it's focused on when you get in those situations, like you just want to know that every part of your body's ready to go. Yeah. I don't know. I just remember that long walk and just being at the end of that long walk. That was like probably one of the most difficult things that I've ever done physically. Cause it was just like, it was it wasn't physically it wasn't super hard because you were just walking kid for like i don't know like 20 miles or something like that over three different hitting three different sites but it was also just the fact that like you weren't sleeping you only ate we only ate once pretty much and it was just like almost like a ranger it was almost like ranger school mission but it was just yeah. like to the nth degree um because it was just like mission just kept hitting like it was like it was like a florida night where you just hit a target you walk you hit another target you walk hit another target what I think that was really impressive uh, about the Rangers when you go to those kind of events is like having gone to Ranger school and you know you're just walking and then eventually you get to an objective and you go through the motions on the objective where you know everyone knows, okay, I'm just going to like, you know, violence of action. But, you know, by the time you get to maybe that second one, the energy is just not there. You know, everything goes according to plan, but it's just there's like that wow factor that's missing mm-hmm. like every single objective that you go to with the rangers like it could something gets turned on and there's never like a well that was like a lackadaisical mission it was like no like this like every single person is just like ramped up mm-hmm. ready to go mentally focused i think mean, that's like a huge difference between like you can be fit enough to go and pass a school but like there's that there's that barrier that once you break through your fitness level where your mental acuity is, is not lessened by fatigue like it's just like another realm yeah i think it's like that uh i don't know what it is maybe like pushing or just having the i don't know motivation like push through when you're like exhausted because i do remember we'd lost like a bunch of dudes fell out in the last movement and that was like i think demoralizing to a lot of people because it was just like one of those like walk until you we tell you to stop walking type missions yeah no definitely lost some guys there but it was mostly guys that didn't have their tabs at the same time like a lot of privates fell out oh the the very back end of our movement um it sucked because we kept hearing buses Mm -hmm. and that was the worst part was like no no guy in our company was like oh my god like i can't do this walk it was just like this is so annoying i'm so just either tell us we're just going to go and we're just going to pick the fucking pace up and I'm just going to crush this event and I don't care like who's in front of me, I'm winning. But like it was like one of those, the pace is just not fast enough, but it's not so slow that like it's that weird like, listen, I'm either going to run this or I'm going to like walk this. But like I have, there has to be a happy right. medium. And then we kept hearing buses over and over again. Like I feel like they had the buses constantly drive by the road just to be like let's see how they respond and like after the third time people were like i swear to god if i see that bus i'm gonna flip it the fuck over like i don't care right now <laughs> just shut up yeah let's say like our last mission we we're in february at ntc so it was cold as fuck and then like i think there was some issue with like because we had 22s flying for us and then there was like some issue with the 22s and they were like late 
so we had to sit on top of the mountainside for like three hours waiting for the 22s to come pick us up. And I was like, this is the coldest I've ever been in my life. Well, I've, I've, yeah, I don't know anything about cold. Like my deployment was in, I guess it was summer, but yeah, like it was hot. Uh, Savannah is incredibly hot. Like, I just missed out on the, the cold stuff. Oh, right. you know what my first experience, though, with uh, the Rangers was at JRTC was when I was a platoon leader there at First Cav. The, like, I don't know, what do they call the, what do they call the evaluators at, at JRTC or OCs. not Geronimo? Yeah, the OCs. They were, like, mad because they were, like, uh, the guy that was supposed to be, like, the head bad dude was supposed to be here for about four to five days, like causing chaos. And uh, within three hours of him getting here, the Rangers had already conducted oh, a yeah. raid. And it was like, that's awesome. I remember like hearing that. <laughs> like, I was like, that's incredible. Like, that's a, you got to be so pissed when you're Geronimo and you're like, no, we're going to, we're going to tune up the Rangers. And the Rangers like, like, get out of here. Like, you're done. See ya. I do remember that when we were first company, when we took, when the NTC, we were integrated, I think it was first cab. Or, I don't remember who we were integrated with, but it was like our company was attached to whatever brigade it was. And we did something similar where we just like kind of swept house the first, pretty much every night. And they started, had to start making up targets for us to hit so they wouldn't hit like their, like, uh, like the OC or whatever, the, the, the counter, the op for like, uh, yeah. HBIs. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it's, if you can't tell by the way we're talking, like we had such a great time there. Um, and it's just such an awesome organization. We get a lot of questions too, like, Hey, I'm thinking of, you know, signing a, a contract to join the military. Uh, should I go air force PJ? Should I go army ranger? Should I try out for Marsoc? Should I, you know, sign an 18 x-ray contract? Um, and like, while obviously we would love to just be like, hey, just go Ranger. Like if, if you're that motivated where you want to go and, and join the special operations uh, units out there, like join the one that we love the most. But I think a lot of it comes down to like, what do you want out of your service in the community? Like um, Green Berets have a significantly different mission set than the Army Rangers. Uh, PJs and JTACs are, are utilized throughout the entire army, not just, you know, alone to the, to the soft world. Um, you know, and then the Rangers have their own, uh, special organization. So it's like, what do you want when you're enlisting? Um, what do you want as an officer, uh, when you have to go back and forth or potentially just stay there forever in the Green Beret community? Um, so I would just preface it with that. Bobby, what would you recommend to somebody who's, you know, trying to make that hard choice of, you know, where they should end up in their military career? Honestly, it's like, I think it's kind of a dumb question to ask because I think a lot of people, they try to, I don't know, like overthink it or try to overanalyze it. But at the end of the day, it's just like, just make up a mind, make up your mind and go for one thing. It's just like, just because you decide to go one thing doesn't mean you're guaranteed success either way. You know, I think a lot of the time people are just trying to like war game, which one's going to be better. And then like, tell themselves that oh i could do this or i could do that because i you know and it's just almost like don't just talk about it just be about it you know it's like you can t- you can yeah. game plan all day and you can like you know talk with as many people as you want but at the end of the day what counts is only when you sign your name on the dotted line and then actually go and do it do you think people 
pick like what selection they're going to go to based off what they perceive is easier? Do you think that might be a question there? Like the secret underlining question, like, is it, is this easy? Like which one is the better route? Like, can I get in quicker? Yeah, I think, I think that's definitely plays in some people's thought processes. Cause I think it's just like people, I think nowadays, especially with how social media is with like soft, and all these, not just meme accounts, but, like, all these, like, uh, you know, the counterculture, like, kind of uh, Instagram accounts that have, like, the cool guy videos with, like, a sync with, like, the the trap music or what have you. Yeah. I think people have become, like, enamored with that, like, end goal or end product that they, did, that they just want to be like, oh, I want to be this guy that gets, like, the cool gear, that gets to wear yep. the ops core, that gets the cool weapons, that gets to do all this, like, cool guy stuff, <laughs> but they get, like kind of enamored by that and then don't really think about that you're looking at like the end product that you have to like put in the time and like the effort to make it to that point so i think i, I don't know i i just find it like that social media and like maybe kind of how things are and like how easy it is to find information about these selections that guys are just like you know kind of i don't know like just don't really fully grasp the situation and then end up talking themselves out of doing it or something yeah, I I would agree on that. I don't think I don't think any one of the selections is easy. No, I mean they they wouldn't make it like easy if people just found out like oh you're gonna get a sweet beret out of this uh, you know sign up for this one instead of this one because you know in in six months you're still gonna be wearing an ops core like you mentioned. Um, because like if, I would if say too easy everybody would do it, but obviously like yeah. soft isn't easy because not everybody does it, and then. You know, there are high rates of failures across the board. It doesn't matter what soft you're going to. Like, no soft is going to have, like, a 100% pass rate. It's just not. No, and I think I think that's why, like, a lot of the soft meme accounts just absolutely shit on the 82nd. Because that's, like, the place where everyone, like, if the Army spends money on a conventional unit, instead of spending millions of dollars on tanks, it's like, well, we're going to spend millions of dollars it's a lot cheaper to buy a bunch of people in ops corps than, you know, give a new tank to a company with, you know, like them rolling out the new Abrams. Um, so like the 82nd always seems to have like the cool guy stuff. And I feel like people are like totally fine wearing that now and then associating themselves with like a history that the 82nd established in World War II. And then at like the beginning when deployments were like way more often than they are now, um, and, but it's like, you know, the 82nd's like, that's not soft. And just cause like people are jumping doesn't make you soft. Like just cause you're attached to a, an installation that has, you know, SFAS, um, and has CAG, like does not make you soft. Uh, being an attachment to those organizations does not make you soft. Um, so I think that's also like one of the things it's like, dude, if, if you just want to wear the uniform, go to the 82nd, like, but like if you want to do this stuff, like the uniform is not the the reason why people sign up to go to to Rangers, to GBs, or you know any other organization. Yeah, and I think that's like people like or they just think it gets shit on a lot by like the meme accounts. But at the end of the day, I do think that as far as far as conventional army goes, eighty seconds is probably one of the best conventional units that you can go to besides like one seventy third. Yeah, I I would even I mean like. Yeah, so all truth, like, to the front here, I think if if you can go to any conventional unit, like, the units that I tried to go to uh, after I was hood, uh, at hood, um, 
I tried to to go to 82nd, the uh, 509th, 173rd. Um, I had orders to 82nd and then switched to Carson because uh, of the dual military thing. Uh, but like, yeah, without a doubt, like you can you can talk trash all you want on the 82nd, but like people go there for a reason, and that's because like a lot of the the officers that are in Range Regiment are just like essentially permanently you know, rotating between Ranger Regiment and the 82nd or the 509th or 173rd and then just going back and forth because it's like it's airborne. Why? Who wouldn't want to jump out of a plane? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the typically the most fit. I think it just comes down to the deployments now that we're looking at. It's like, you know, I, I maybe maybe it's now even less of the fact that um, the units get to, to wear cool guy stuff and more like they're giving out CIBs for trash. Uh you know, in, in Afghanistan, instead of what you had to get a C, you know, what was required to get a CIB back in 2000 and, you know, seven, 2008, yeah. that maybe that has more to play with people wanting to talk on the, you know, 82nd, uh, issues. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's all like relative too. Cause it's just like nobody these days is really deploying and even like <clears throat> the 82nd is like the only unit that still deploys like 82nd, 101st. And they're just doing like, you know the OIR type stuff where they're just r- rolling around in wraps and not really doing anything kinetic, but that's kind of the state of the military right now. The only people that are doing kinetic operations is going to be soft. Yeah. It's, it's not so like, here's a question: yeah. so Like, you're, you're in the regular army. Um, I mean, even even soft, like it's it's not sending full battalions. Uh, you know, whether that's in range regiment or you know, in the, the land of the Green Berets, it's like, you know, like companies now or, you know, even select teams are just going and, and being sent places. If you were in the regular army, would you rather stay at garrison and train or would you rather do like a turkey rotation or, would, you know, getting sent to Korea for six or nine months? Like, how do you view those those rotations? Because I don't call them deployments. I, no. I refuse to. Yeah, but. I mean, they're, they're calm what they are. They're trained deployments. So, like, when... I was in, you know, 375. We did, our company went to Korea for a training deployment during the DFC cycle. So I had a little bit of the flavor of getting that training deployment. And I actually enjoyed that training deployment a lot. Like it was, it felt like almost a deployment because we were training so hard. Like every, because we are, our commander had like the mindset, like, you know, we're here. We're going to take advantage of everything that we have and train as hard as we can while we're here. And we trained hard as fuck. And I will, that was, like, probably one of the most stressful times of my life as a company FSO. Because not only was I doing, like, fire stuff for my guys, like, setting up training for them. I was planning and facilitating, like, facilitating training for the entire company. So, like, we did, like, a force-on-force mod. We did company platoon live fire mod. That I pretty much was planning all of it, uh, all the backside stuff for it. So, it was, like, extremely challenging. But it was, like, probably one of the better training rotations that I've ever experienced in the army because we were just hitting it so hard every day um, dude i was i'll be honest i was jealous when we were talking you know just to, to some degree because it just sounded like like a prolonged tft but like with multiple opportunities to really just like get those reps in and get like better and better and better at every single one of the facets that you know a, a ranger platoon was going to handle because um, like you know the deployment's like you don't know how many targets you're going to get while you're there, what those targets are going to look like, um, you know, how often, if, if there's like, you know, any civcas in, in the country and they're, you know, trying to stand you down, 
um, or you know, there's any issues between the the Afghan government and U.S. forces and when how that plays. So it's like you a lot of times don't like while you're in Afghanistan, it's it's great to go out on missions, but it, there's not this consistency where like I got to do like you got to fill in all the white space on deployment to keep your guys like mentally sharp, you know, with all of the uh, the areas that you have there at Bath and Calf and. It's like I felt that was really challenging. So when I got to see like what you guys were doing in Korea, I was like, that is cool. Like the amount you guys got to jump. Um, so I think what we're saying is like you can get some really cool training deployments yeah. out there. And I would say, yeah, and that's kind of like what the point I was trying to drive at is that, you know, they're just it's it is a deployment, but I wouldn't call it like a combat deployment. It is what it is. It's a training deployment, and it's an opportunity for you as a leader to really dial it in with your guys and really work on some pretty legit training that you won't get stateside. Um, you have to really take advantage of the opportunities that you are given. Um, obviously like we would much rather, I mean, just speaking across the board, like I'm sure we would all rather deploy to a combat deployment and do like operations and missions, but like or not the vast majority of probably like 90% of people don't even do combat anymore. 99, probably like 95% of people that deploy don't see combat anymore. And you're sitting on them. And that's just the nature of the oh. beast. Dude, I, it, uh, I, I've just been like super fortunate with the way that my stuff is always lined up for my deployments. Um, when I was in first cav, uh, I, I, I speak very proudly of this. My company was good. Um, two of the three PLs, in our company went to regiment, which I think like we were the only guys in our brigade that even went, uh, that year. Um, we crushed everyone, uh, while we were at JRTC, like we took out multiple targets. And because of that, they lined our company up essentially as one of the only like maneuver companies on our deployment. And, and they separated us from our task force and put us under, uh, was it three, which one is two CR in Germany or is that three CR? Uh, two CR is Germany, yeah. So they put us underneath two CR um, at Fab Passab, and so we were going and doing, you know, patrols and, and missions like daily, and it was like an awesome deployment. And then when I got to regiment, I got to go to Afghanistan uh, as a battle captain. I got to go back as a PL, like super super fortunate. So I never had like, you know, the opportunity to, to do the Korea thing. Um, but, like, you see guys going to Korea, you see them going to Germany, and it's just, like, that's the best training. Like, if you're in a good unit, too, I think that makes a world of difference. Because if you're in a shit unit and you go to those places, like, you know, they're just going to, like, have, like, uh, restrictions on what you can do when you're in your downtime. But if, like, your unit's good, they don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have to, like, prevent you from going out and getting a drink or going to eat with your platoon because they're like, no, these guys just crushed, you know, that training event at Grafenvir. I don't have to worry about my guys because I see how good they are in the field. Like, they're going to be fine and mature adults. Um, yeah, but I, I kind of wanted to do uh, a rotation to Korea um, after after you talked about your experiences because it was like that, like, if you're in the Army, you want to get better. Like, that's, I think that's probably the best place to go at this point. Because uh, you're, you're, it's uninterrupted training. Yeah, I mean, like, I think some of the the Europe ones are pretty good too. I think um, some of the Eastern Europe ones have pretty good training events too for like the Met guys. But definitely, like Korea was, uh, I don't. That's probably one of the more formative experiences of my military, uh, especially in, in Ranger Battalion. That's like I think where I became like 
a where I fully like felt like I knew what I was doing. I finally like, felt competent enough in my job and really understood that like, hey, like I under- actually like got it now because of that deployment. Because it was just like I was able to actually get good at planning operations, being able to actually understand the maneuver, <clears throat> being able to like do like all the you know duties expected of FSO and like exceed some of the duties and like doing like going beyond my scope, I guess. I would say too one of the things that the army, and I don't know if if they're even looking at it at this point because you know we're still almost twenty years into Afghanistan, but after every single war when we start ramping down and like trying to plan garrison events because we stop training with you know our the air force uh, individuals and and doing you know joint fires, um, whenever we go back to like the next war we always have a ton of fratricide issues. I wish that, like, the Air Force, the Army, the Marines had way more joint training and not, like, just at these, like, divisional levels. I mean, like, you know, send a company from, you know, 4ID or, you know, the 25th, and you're going to attach them to an aircraft carrier with a company of Marines, and then they're going to go practice landing operations, you know, uh, somewhere in, you know, the, the South Pacific, like those kind of events would make guys want to stay in the army because it wouldn't be just the same, you know, we're at Schoolfield barracks. We're just going to walk on this red clay out to this range and come right back and, you know, fight a fake enemy. Like you're, you're constantly doing real stuff that the next war, when we have to do a beach landing, you know, guys have seen, we're going to keep, you know, incorporating, you know, now the 35, um, into, uh, uh, air to ground combat like that would be that's the kind of stuff that would like motivate me to stay in um and i think it's completely necessary yeah i think that's definitely true i think that but i think the army is already kind of moving towards that that way with the pathways <clears throat> the different pathways that they have well what pathways are you, are you so you're talking about the relationships between like like paycom and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. the second yeah, I mean, does Pacific Pathways where they send, like, brigades or battalions out to, like, Thailand and all, like, Southeast Asian countries and do, like, train, joint train with them. You have Yeah, like, but that's, I mean, like, more American joint training. Uh, like, like, we need to send, you know, uh, a tank battalion from First Armor, and they're going to be attached to, you know, some infantry unit for the Marines out of... Uh, Pendleton Mm -hmm. and they're gonna they're gonna play like you know the 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 defense on some beach that the marines are gonna hit and then we're gonna have some sort of army aviation element that comes in um like that's the kind of big training event that i think we should be focusing on instead of doing the exact same thing because i tell you what when we switched from the like counterterrorism to a near-peer threat at jrtc the biggest thing that I saw and even from like individuals that had deployed was a fear to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Like guys were so fearful when it was like, no, that it's near peer like Civcast consider it, but it's nowhere near as, uh, you know, prohibitive for you to, to drop, you know, some sort of ammunition on that building now to, to take out a company of op four. Like, whereas before it was like, well, you want to know what the, the, you know, what the CDE is? It's like, well, no, it, this is like a, you're going up against another world superpower. Like this is a, you just need to level it. And, and that was the one thing I don't think we're going to be prepared to do if we go 
to engage because your people are constantly asking for approval authorities. Like, no, you are the approval authority. You are the ground force commander, like platoon leader, company commander. You want to fire your mortars? You fire your mortars. Just like, yep, no aircraft, good to go. Launch it. Yeah, I think that's a definitely a interesting discussion to have about kind of the future of of warfare and where we're going to go with, you know, kind of over like with uh, with war, I guess. And it's kind of interesting if you think about like China and Russia, how they are kind of expanding their militaries, especially these times. I think China, I saw something about how China has put out six new aircraft carriers out to sea this last couple of years. Russia is doing something similar with like built like six new aircraft carriers as well. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the uh, next couple of decades. This is going to sound like really like Teddy Roosevelt isolationism, but I let them. Like, I feel like we, we, we did this with Russia already when they were the Soviet Union, and it was the space race that broke their back. Like, China has a much bigger economy. They own a ton of our debt. Like, I, I don't think they're going to be, like, you know, knock on wood, like Japan going and just, like, you know, setting up the empire of the rising sun. Um, if they want to extend influence, like I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, a financial incentive for them. And you look at their, like the one road project and they're just building militaries to, to, you know, support that. I don't know why we keep on like increasing this tension between the two countries where we have to spend so much of our GDP on, you know, military, you know, preparedness. Like I just don't see, China jumping into the West Coast in the next 20 years for an all-out land war between Asia and North America. It just, it, I feel like it's, like, nonsensical to, to even, like, be kind of fearful of that. You know, what, what do you think? I mean, you live on the West Coast, so... Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily the idea of an overt war, but um, I do think that there are foreign influences in our daily lives that we don't really understand or recognize for example kind of the protests going on i think a lot of the protests are maybe seeded or influenced by like russia and china as a way to weaken america domestically uh which therefore would weaken america's military and then international you know affairs um, yeah i think but we're doing the exact same thing that's like, not the- not really the same though I mean, you look at, like, the Arab Spring, like, you definitely sure, know sure, sure, sure. America had a hand in it. The, the U.S.-Taiwan-Chinese uh, relationship, Hong Kong, like, you don't think we're helping out the protesters in Hong Kong? Probably not to the same extent that, like, because, I mean, the big thing is, like, what is that going to do for, you know, China? It doesn't really, I don't think that, that Hong Kong necessarily weakens China's position because, they're going to take Hong Kong regardless, and they already have. Oh, to. I just think it's an image thing that they're they can't it, for them. Like again, we we talked about before how the Chinese are much better than the Americans at playing for the long game and being like, okay, it might happen in my life. It might or it may or may not happen in my lifetime, but it's going to happen in like someone's you know lifetime that is you know a generation or two removed from me. I'm good with that. I'm going to do my part now. But I think what they're so angered by is Hong Kong is like this small little like speck of dirt compared to like mainland China. The fact that it's causing them so many issues, the fear is like, okay, well, 
is there going to be another city that all of a sudden is going to cause this much issue? Like in the fact that we have not been able to quell it for, you know, years now, uh, I think it's just, it's a, it's a public image nightmare for how strong the, you know, the Chinese party wants to look. But I like, I think that happens to be like, you know, the bigger issue with Hong Kong, not so much like what it really means to, you know, to, to Chinese, you know, government. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I know America is influencing uh, foreign affairs in multiple routes, but at the same time, I think people aren't, or maybe not cognizant of the fact that we do the same thing, uh, or that it, the same thing is being done to us by foreign like, agents. Because, you know, like, the, what was it? They closed the Chinese embassy in Texas. Yes. Houston, yeah. yeah. in Houston a couple of days ago because of some undue influence in that, I think I read something that they like were burning documents like a day before that or after that. Oh yeah, there's there's videos of that from like above the consulate. I mean, they, and that had to do a lot with, uh, you know, in, I think intellectual property sure. rights. Yeah. Um, so like absolutely, but it, it's just, I don't know. I I felt like one of the reasons America was way more beloved, you know, following World War Two was because it was like it didn't get involved in international politics unless someone came and punched us in the nose um, or someone came and like you know slapped our mother like that was the that was the the reason why we would get into you know foreign conflict and I get it with Afghanistan and you want to I, I think making the claim for Iraq is rather weak at this point but like where we're involved so much more around the world and how we've used, you know, the AUMF to continue our presence throughout Africa, throughout the Middle East. It's just like, when is it going to stop? Like America needs to just shrink its influence and just go back to doing what it had done, you know, for, you know, the years prior to World War Two mm-hmm. um, and World War One, when it was like, we're not at this like state of terror with every single country around the world. People didn't hate us. No. Yeah, I would definitely agree with how we need to, you know, kind of limit our influence and military influence overseas. And as much as I kind of hesitate to commend Trump for it, but I do agree with Trump's kind of international policy of, like, taking us out of the Middle East, kind of reducing our military's deployments, you know, taking people out of, like, finally taking people out of the Middle East and focusing our efforts to strengthening our domestic, like, strengthening us domestically versus keep like putting all these resources out overseas to these allies that you know who at the end of the day might not care about us or really care about improving america and that's the thing we only had troops stationed in like central europe because of the fear of like you know soviet expansionism and and the fall to gap like when my parents were stationed there that was the whole thing that they were preparing for was we had like i think three divisions at one point uh in like germany um and so like now we're down to I mean, it's something like, it's like a fraction of that, maybe a brigade minus. Um, But like, that's a, like, get out of Europe. And if like, we no longer have U.S. troops that are, that are stationed in say Germany and we just have like the 173rd, uh, you know, at Vincenza, that's fine because maybe it'll like inspire at, you know, like what Trump wanted the, you know, the relative percentage of GDP spent on military will actually be spent then by those, you know, very well-developed economies of Germany, of uh, Sweden, France. Like, listen, if you really think Russia is a threat, build your stuff. Yeah. Like, we're not going to just keep, you know, sitting on your land. Right. Um, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. It's just like one of those, like, that is a, 
that's a legitimate talking point, and I think people will just like, well, no, 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 we've always done this. We've always done it this way. We're always going to have troops there. It's like we're just going to have, like, these this, these pockets of police essentially all over the world. Yeah, and then, I mean, obviously I'm not, like, a international relationships or, like, uh, you, know, you know, like, global strategist, but, you know, I do think that we, America has plenty of problems domestically that could probably... yeah face or probably use more resources rather than spending billions and trillions of dollars into defense that uh the national defense and the military budget that you know doesn't really translate to anything uh to benefit america no i mean like think of how many i think how many trillion dollars have we spent in iraq afghanistan it's something like like seven astronomical yeah that's not yeah that's unreal like absolutely unreal yeah it's just like what has have we you know what has benefited america from these wars besides you know the defense contractors sure there's been a lot of economic benefit to them but where has it benefited us you know geopolitically internationally you know defense wise like i I don't i'm pretty sure we don't we're that not that much safer by you know being in afghanistan for the last 20 years and waging war on some terrorist organizations and i think americans were so concerned that our experience in afghanistan would turn into what afghanistan was for the the russians um but i don't know like i feel like it's turning into that not from the perspective of like you know the soldiers that we've lost there but it's turning into that from the what it's doing to you know the economy um from a you know second and third order effect like we're, we're spending we're just spending a ton of money i mean like we everyone's now concerned with covid and with education for children and where are we going to get money and if we you know like if kids have to stay home how are we going to fund that because now parents are looking to go back to work and they're not going to be able to go back to work so they're just going to be like so where would that money come from it's like why isn't you know like the country so happy to spend dollars on something like that like okay if your parent has to stay home because they can't get employment or they they have employment but they have to like stay home to babysit you while you're at you know public school online like why are we so hesitant to finance that but then we're like you know what we need 10 new navy ships you know that just got built again i'm i'm not up at the 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 white house i'm not at the pentagon so i have no idea what the state of the chinese or the russian navies are but the last time like i talked to someone from the navy it didn't sound like we were getting our ass kicked in any single like race when it comes to ships or technology on the water so like billions of dollars right there that could easily probably fund a lot of the issues that we have here you know you know internal to the united states yeah i think it's a lot of that military industrial complex too and that people you know kind of are hesitant to blame it on that but i think that goes a long way like money talks and there are a lot of lobbyists and politicians who are paid very well or are funded pretty well by the military contractors and they talk about jobs too talk about like Northrop Grumman talk about Boeing you talk about like all these other large corporations which you know employ a lot of people in certain areas you know there's definitely something to be said about that too and how yeah the Raytheons out there the Harris's, I mean, and I shouldn't really talk bad about it because I own a lot of defense stock. Uh, that's done very well for me for the last like 10 years, <laughs> but uh, 
you know, it's it is an interesting affair, the military industrial complex, and that I don't think that gets enough attention from people because I think it's like become the new status quo, and that's just what Americans do: spend money on. Well, I think people don't want to address it because it like somehow if you question what we're spending, you know, for soldiers on equipment that's not going to you know be there within ten to fifteen years anyway. So it's not even like it's benefiting the guys on the ground uh, that you're thinking of, like that's somehow unpatriotic and that like you must hate America because you don't want us to have like the newest of the newest of the new weapons. Like, yeah, I mean, the M4 has not really been updated. We, barrels changed a bit for, you know, attachments, but I mean, the AK has been around for years. That shit gets buried in the mud. Someone finds it five years later, it's going to work and shoot and, and do just as much damage to somebody. So maybe like less time on the tech thing and just more time on just trying to make the soldiers better by having like a better educational background that they come from, you know, the 10 years prior before they even get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, what else did we want to talk about? The scholarship. Oh yes, 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 yes. So, uh, last year, uh, you know, we were very fortunate to be able to hand out, um, three scholarships to some incredible soldiers that had transitioned and, and were getting some awesome degrees and, and training. Um, this year, we're doing uh, the same thing for three individuals. Uh, this year's scholarship will have open because of COVID uh, through, let's say, September 5th. Um, so you got a little over a month to, to get some of the uh, information um, put together, but we're going to give out three $1,000 scholarships uh, for the next year. Um, and if you're going to, you know, an undergrad program, a graduate program, if you're going for some sort of like an advanced training, uh, certificate, whether you want to be a welder, like if you're making the transition from being a soldier to a civilian and looking at, you know, uh, that next level of education, what we want to do is be able to provide you a, a small, like, thank you, you know, from us, um, for what you've done and, and help you get over the hump, whether it's like getting your new suit, paying for books, um, some things that, you know, won't get covered by, um, the VA and and so um, get your your packets into us in the next you know about month and a half. Uh, the packets include essentially like you know what you want to do with the, uh, the education you're pursuing. Send us a picture of you you know in your uniform, ORB, ERB, uh, a letter of recommendation. Um, you can all find it uh, on our on our site chronosfit.org, um, the Chronos Scholars page. If you have questions, uh, hit us up. We'd be glad to help you out. Um, through the process uh, and, you know, hopefully, you know, get people some uh, some funds as a, again, because of the community that, that you guys have all helped to establish through through fitness and our, our nonprofit work. Yeah, that's one thing that, you know, I th- I'm pretty proud of that we're able to offer people this scholarship. Uh, it might not be much compared to like, I don't know, like the Tillman Foundation, all these other big ass scholarships. But, yeah. You know, any way that we can give back, uh, whether it's that thousand dollars or what what have you i think that's a you know it's better than nothing and then uh if you are you know going to a school you know the military and um kind of want or need a little bit of extra to help pay for the bills um feel free to hit us up and uh, apply for the scholarship uh the, the scholarship is pretty much funded by um by you guys in terms of the program sales that we do and then from all the apparel and all the other swag that we have going on uh, my wife Christina has been actually working a lot behind the scenes, uh, doing the swag stuff. We have opened up our study uh, that I'm sitting in right now, 
this is now our new Kronos Fit um, distribution center. Uh, so we're starting to warehouse uh, stuff here and then sell and ship it ourselves to kind of pass along some savings to you guys, just because the previous model we had with with uh, this this company Printful, uh, it was pretty much just printed to order. The margins were terrible. Uh, that's why we had to charge you guys so much more for apparel and swag because it costs us so much more to pay for it because it was by the order. But now we're able to have stuff on, on inventory and warehouse, so we're able to pass along a lot of those savings to you guys um, so that yeah. not as much money is going to paying for some shitty third-party company that we're using, but more so uh, more has come to us, so we're able to give it back to you guys. Yeah, increase in the scholarships and then um, the monthly charity drives that we've got going on. Um, but, like, again, I feel like we, we thank you guys every couple months because it, it really is awesome for us to, to be able to, to do this. You guys have recommended some like incredible nonprofits um, over the last couple months that we've been able to link up with and help out. And so keep doing that. If you guys have like a dedicated nonprofit that you're interested in, um, you know, hit us up. We'll like literally any money that, that we try to make, we try to just turn right around um, outside of the operating costs of, of the website and then just getting the stock on hand. Uh, one thing to note too with the, the scholarship funds, we're not sending that to like your school. Um, so like there shouldn't be a concern like, oh, is this going to just, you know, get sent to whatever.edu, um, as part of, as part of my, you know, tuition check like this again, like Bobby said, it, it will send it straight to you. We'll, you know, talk about, um, whether we do like a money order to you or we send you a physical check or we do an electronic transfer. Like it's really simple. Um, and again, that can go towards like literally anything, um, after, you know, you've transitioned. So just want to you know, say thank you from, you know, on behalf of, uh, of the Cronus fam, um, and, and get you guys going on the next step, uh, once you've transitioned. All right. Any other, uh, closing thoughts or announcements, Sean? Oh yeah. Uh, safety. Um, and this isn't like a, a safety brief. Uh, if you're, if you're going to do fitness, uh, in the coming months, especially if you're like on the East coast or you're living somewhere like super humid, um, don't be concerned if like you're looking at your run times or some of your times if you're working a lot outdoor and you're finding that it's like significantly more difficult to, to hit a pace that maybe you had in the spring or that you know you hit in cooler weather. Um, when you work out, when it's more humid out, when it's uh, hotter out, like your heart rate's going to spike. Um, Bobby and I were talking before we got on here, like a run that I literally the same run I did two weeks ago. Uh, faster and with much less effort um, from a heart rate perspective I did today and like was absolutely floored by the humidity. Um, my pace was about like 10 to 20 seconds slower per mile uh, on average. Uh, I burned more calories. I feel like I look like I jumped out of a pool um, or into a pool and out of it uh, by the time I was done. And like for a couple hours after the run, I felt absolutely awful. Um, so, you know, like as you're going through whatever program you're on right now, like don't get beside yourself if you go and you have a bad workout or it's just a cup, you know, a tough couple months because of the weather. Like that is normal. The cooler weather is going to come, but all the work that you're doing right now by not stopping in the middle of your workout to feel sorry for yourself, like is going to pay off when, you know, the cooler winds hit you, you know, in October, November, and when you're absolutely going to crush everyone. Yeah, just make sure you put in the time, uh, even when it's hard and uncomfortable to keep pushing keep driving that's because that's where you're, you're gonna find uh you know the, the growth that you're looking for absolutely 
Also, uh, real fast shout out, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, this most recent podcast. He has this neuroscientist on that talks a lot about uh, neuroplasticity. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought I was able to find a lot of stuff that applied my life. Uh, so if you guys are interested in getting better at learning and getting better at learning new skills, I would definitely recommend checking it out because I don't really want to summarize it because uh, it's really well done and I would really, really recommend this guy. Yeah. I listened to that on my bike ride yesterday. It was awesome. Yeah. Very applicable to not just like, for me, it was like doing surgery. Like I started, I noticed that like I have been kind of doing the same strategies to get better at surgery, at doing surgery. But like listening to him talk and explain it actually like makes more sense. And like what it, it's going to change how I uh, approach uh, doing things too. So I recommend to you guys, if you guys are still listening to check out that episode. Yeah. After you listen to ours and leave a five star review or yeah. a one star review, I don't, doesn't hurt us. Actually, let me see if we do have any do. reviews. I don't think I, I haven't, I haven't checked in a while because we haven't been recording very often. Nope, last one's still from Florida Recycle. No new reviews. All right, guys, I think we'll wrap it with that. Uh, you guys have a good week. I think I'm actually working again this weekend. Uh, this next weekend, we pretty much do like a weekend week on, a weekend on, weekend off type rotation, and it's usually like a Friday 24, Friday Sunday 12, or it's a Saturday 24. So it's just like my weekends get fucking wrecked when I'm working on weekends. Oh well. Maybe next weekend I'll do like a law focused, just talk about the administrative state and the Food and Drug Administration. I'll just, I think that'll be really interesting for yeah, people. Yeah, very engrossing. But uh, <laughs> I think I'm working next week. I haven't even looked at my schedule yet. Uh, but well, just bring it in when you're doing surgery, like clipping some guys nuts. Just be like, hey, how did I do today? Like, do you want to say anything to the Cronus fam? Oh, it's our it's our recording. Yeah, mid mid surgery. Yeah, mid surgery. All right, well, like, oh my god, I, I dropped my scalpel. It's inside of his belly. I have a funny story, but I dropped a needle one day and my attending was lost as shit. Doctor. Doctor, doctor. Yeah. There is, so, just quick, I guess we're not going to wrap it up. But there is, uh, <laughs> in our program, there are three, I call them the three wise men because these are all like three white-haired guys have been doing surgery since like the 70s. They're all like 70, 80 years old. They're in the, they're all in the 70s, I want to say. They were all army surgeons that like started their surgery residencies here like 1960s and 70s. So they're all old as hell, but they're probably like the most experienced surgeons ever. Anyways, one guy uh, is very uh, – the way he teaches in surgeries is very rough, I will say. It's like very tough love where he's like – I want you to do this. Don't do it any other way. I want you to do my way. Don't do anything else. And if you mess up, he like loses his shit. Like he curses and like will snatch like instruments out of your hands. So it's like very like old school way of like doing surgery. But anyways, at one point, like we have something called pop off needles, where pretty much you they're on a, they're on a suture and you like throw your needle. And then um, I didn't realize it was pop off, so he went to go pop off the needle. And then when he pulled the str- the suture, it popped off the needle but also popped off the needle from my needle driver which dropped the needle somewhere and he like lost his mind and i was like i don't know what, what you want me, wait i don't know what you want me to do like i didn't realize you were gonna pop it off ah uh, fuck 
fucked up. Yeah, so I got my, my shit pushed in for two back-to-back surgeries, so that was very fun with him. But I learned a lot. And it's I'll, like being back at regiment. It's, it's even worse being back at regiment, because at least as an officer in regiment, like, no one fucks you down that hard, but, like, I haven't fucked down like that in a long time. Oh, you're kidding me. At third bat, no way. The angry bat does not do... Yeah, get out of I here. I never got fucked down too bad by NCOs. It was always, like, more disappointed fuckdowns than anything mm, else. Okay. It wasn't, like, shouting at you type fuckdowns. But uh, it was fine. Well, hopefully this doesn't happen the next weekend when you're live in the studio with a belly wide open in front of you. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, thoroughly enjoying doing surgery. It's definitely very humbling trying to learn a new skill um, and learning all this stuff at once. So it was very humbling and definitely enjoying it. That's dope, man. All right, we'll end it with that. You guys have a good week. We will catch you guys whenever I have free time now. Surgery. Push for surgery. Just bomb the comment section. Surgery it. Later. Bye.